something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that proves there's more than one way to make history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about an unusual case of psychological warfare from the closing months of World War II. The day was February 5th, 1945. U.S. forces began a secret operation to distribute Allied propaganda through Germany's own postal service. It was dubbed Operation Cornflakes because the German mail was typically delivered in the early morning when most people were sitting down to their breakfast. By the early months of 1945, Germany's defeat seemed all but inevitable, even to many of its own military leaders. That said, an official surrender was still several months away, and in the meantime, American forces were sustaining heavy losses. This led Allied intelligence officers to begin brainstorming ways to hasten the war's conclusion. Propaganda had proven an effective tool for weakening German morale, and in the final stages of the war, when most German civilians had lost any hope of victory, there was even a chance that the right propaganda might spark a rebellion against the Nazis. The problem was how to get the message into the hands of ordinary Germans. The usual method of distributing propaganda, airdropping leaflets, was incredibly hit or miss. Rain or wind could easily destroy the materials before anyone had the chance to pick them up. And if the leaflets landed in public spaces, many people would avoid picking them up altogether, lest they be seen by their neighbors and reported to the Gestapo. The Office of Strategic Services, or the OSS, had grappled with these concerns all through the war, but this time, they hit upon a way to remove the variables. By disguising the propaganda as regular mail, they could trick the German postal service into delivering misinformation to its own citizens. That way, people could read the material in the privacy of their own homes. In order for the plan to succeed, 
OSS operatives first had to learn all the ins and outs of the Third Reich's mail service. Most of the pertinent info was gathered from German POWs and deserters who had once been postal workers themselves. The operatives also studied samples of mailbags, envelopes, stamps, and postal markings so that their replicas would be as faithful as possible. Two million German mailing addresses were collected for the project, and real, legitimate businesses were used for the return addresses. The propaganda pieces were specially printed for the operation. One letter was from a fictitious group called the Association of Lonely War Women. It was sent exclusively to German soldiers and implied that their wives and girlfriends had taken new lovers while they were away. There was also a whole made-up newspaper, which claimed to be printed by an opposition group in Germany that wanted the recipient to join the movement. Perhaps the most stirring material produced, though, was a series of postcards from the so-called War Mothers Group. These handwritten cards were alleged to come from lonely mothers who wished their sons would abandon their posts and come home. One such card, translated from German, said, quote, after five years of struggle against overwhelming enemy power, you have done more than your duty. Today, the war is lost, and the enemy is within our country. We are abandoned and helpless. Do not leave your mothers alone in the hour of danger. Come home. A great deal of effort went into making the materials look and sound convincing, but the most vital task was reproducing the then-current German stamps that were in circulation. The operation required far more stamps than could be sourced legitimately, so master forgers were tasked with replicating them, down to the smallest detail. The most common stamps of the era featured a portrait of Hitler's face above the text Deutsches Reich, or German Empire. Forgeries of that stamp were used on the outside covers of the mail, but inside the envelopes, operatives included extra stamps with two small but meaningful changes. Hitler's face was modified to show his exposed skull, and the text German Empire was changed to Ruined Empire. Once all the materials were ready, it was time for Operation Cornflakes to officially begin. The plan was to bomb German mail trains and then drop bags of subversive mail into the wreckage. The hope was that the phony mail would blend in so well with the real deal that German authorities wouldn't know the difference and would just deliver it all as usual. The operation launched with its first attack on February 5, 1945. That morning, American P-38 fighter planes dropped bombs on a German mail train bound for Linz. Then, a few minutes later, a second wave of fighters dropped eight bags of mail filled with nearly 3,000 pieces of Allied propaganda. The ruse worked perfectly, and over the next three months, it was carried out again and again on 19 subsequent missions. Unfortunately, the whole scheme fell apart thanks to a typo. After the air raid of March 16th, a German clerk noticed a misspelling in one of the return addresses. And when the same error was found on several other pieces of mail, officials opened the envelopes and the jig was up. In total, 320 fake mailbags containing about 96,000 forged letters were dropped over southern Germany and Austria. It's believed that the vast majority of that mail made it into German homes, though it's difficult to say exactly how much impact it had on the country's psyche. Once the war was over, 
about 10,000 German POWs said they had been directly affected by OSS propaganda at some point during the war, but it's unknown how many of those cases were due to Operation Cornflakes specifically. What we do know is that the missions were a strategic success. The bombing of mail trains put additional strain on German resources, forcing the repair of mail routes and disrupting the already chaotic communications and transportation sectors. As for the material that was dropped, most of the forged stamps, envelopes, and the propaganda itself didn't survive the war. The post office destroyed much of it after the plot was uncovered, and the rest was thrown away by the people who received it. That said, a few of the items did survive, and the ones that aren't in museums now command a hefty price on the collector's market. In fact, the Hitler skull stamps in particular are so sought after that some people have even started selling reproductions, forgeries of a forgery. They say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but I'm not so sure that stands when it's a picture of your own rotting skull that's being imitated. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any feedback to share, feel free to get in touch by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.